May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. First, a very happy Independence Day weekend to you all. Hope it's great for everybody. The news in and out of our church this week, has the past two weeks, has been a tremendous tide of change. Here's a 30-second recap. Charleston, South Carolina. Controversy about the Confederate battle flag. Historically, black churches burned. The Affordable Care Act upheld by the Supreme Court. Marriage equality upheld by the Supreme Court. Redistricting commissions upheld by the Supreme Court. The first African-American presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Marriage equality approved by the Episcopal Church. And a restructured, reimagined Episcopal Church focusing on mission, evangelism, and building a new church for the 21st century. Change is all-encompassing. It's everywhere. Some people rejoice. Some people act out. We've already seen the horrible results. Historically, black churches burned throughout the South. Families arguing with other family members about what marriage means. Political foes throwing sharp rhetoric over the fence towards one another. Hatred renewed. Discord championed. What is going on, America, this 4th of July weekend? What is going on? Something like this must have happened July 4th, 1918, when President Woodrow Wilson said in a speech, It is not patriotic to concert measures against one another. It is patriotic to concert measures for one another. He goes on. In one sense, the Declaration of Independence has lost its significance. It is one thing to be independent, and it is another thing to know what to do with your independence. It is one thing to come to your majority and another thing to know what you are going to do with your life and your energies. And one of the most serious questions for sober-minded men to address themselves to in these United States is this. What are we going to do with the influence and power of this great nation? Are we going to play the old rule of using that power for our own aggrandizement and material benefit only? You know what that might mean. Woodrow Wilson, he has a point. Independence, what and why are we celebrating it? What have we learned throughout these many years together as a society? Are we improving our time together or are we pulling one another apart? The more things change, the more they seem to stay the same. In some ways, the gospel tells us this too. Jesus goes back to Nazareth. His family thinks he's gone nuts. They actually take offense. I love how the gospel writer tells us he could do no deed of power there except that he laid hands on a few sick people and cured them. I guess when you're around Jesus long enough, a few little miracles must not seem like very much. But the point is... 
that the more things actually could be changed, be transformed in Nazareth, the more they stayed the same. Is this really the case for us? Is this really the life with God that we want? The gospel goes on to share a vignette of Jesus sending out his disciples two by two. He sends them out to other places to do ministry. A Scottish New Testament scholar says that Jesus sent those disciples out in ministry as kind of an experiment. Could they do the work? Can we do the work? These stories are always a little bit tricky to preach on because their modern-day application can easily get lost. We want to unpack the minutiae of what happens with each and every healing miracle story. We want to see the miracle in real time. We want to know beyond a shred of doubt what is really going on. But that's not the point. The miracle stories are meant to help us see a reality of possibility, that possibility that God does act and that God heals, that God through Jesus overturns and breaks down our limited view of the world, removes a bit of our selfishness and helps us open our eyes to see a deeper truth a deeper truth about ourselves and how we relate to God and how we relate to one another. Beyond this, miracles might also actually help us put into words what God is doing for us and help us develop the language and habits to live more fully into life and to help other people live more fully into life as well. So as we hear today's story about Jesus sending out the disciples to go and heal, and then when the story tells us that they do just that, what might that say about us? We live in a wealthy country where there is more food available than we actually need, yet children go hungry every day. We live in a society that on paper proclaims liberty and justice for all, yet the poorest of the poor are incarcerated at rates several times that of the middle class. But this doesn't have to be exclusively about national policy or even our societal behaviors because it can't be. That's not the whole and complete gospel. Everything has to start within each one of us starts in our hearts. That's at the core. So how many of us, how many of us have some level of discomfort with some type of person different than ourselves? Either because we don't understand them or we feel uncomfortable around them or we were told when we were children that they were a bit too different for us to be around and we still believe what we were told. Do the lyrics from this song from the musical Avenue Q ring true? Two actors singing to each other. You're a little bit racist. You're a little bit too. I guess we're a little bit racist. Admitting it is not an easy thing to do. But I guess it's true. Ouch. A silly song 
with some real truth. We know this. Our communities need healing. Our communities need reconciliation. We need wholeness and restoration. We need a presence of love that is sadly absent and replaced by things like consumerism, entertainment, diversion of all types of sorts. To live in a free society, what we need is love, divine love. So what are we doing about it? At the core of Jesus' message for today is a call to commitment to one another, a call for us to work together, to build one another up, to identify and turn from our personally and societally destructive ways of the past and instead offer ourselves as a healing balm to our community, our nation, and the world. A healing balm. This is a shift. It's a fundamental change in who we want to be in light of how we are loved by God. But it's a needed shift. If we have rights, we have responsibilities to one another as well. We are Christ's healing balm in the world. Do people see this in us? President Franklin Roosevelt said on July 4th, 1941, it is simple, I could say, almost simple-minded for us Americans to wave the flag, to reassert our belief in the cause of freedom, and to let it go at that. The same goes for us on July 5th, 2015. Our cause for seeking freedom and liberty has changed, and waving flags and believing in something good isn't the only thing that's going to cut it. Our world needs us, brothers and sisters. Our community needs you. Our community needs to see you as reconciler, restorer, healer. This is a fundamental call of our faith. And so I want to close by challenging us. What are you going to take on this year that will promote liberty, reconciliation, and healing in our society? How will you act as Christ's disciple to your neighbor or to your coworker or to the stranger that you meet tomorrow on the street? Some people might rejoice. Some people might act out against you. Even if people reject you, even if you find that your efforts are not well received, remember, the same thing happened to Jesus in his hometown. He wasn't welcomed and couldn't do great deeds of power, but he still laid hands on a few sick people and made them well. And you can too. Imagine then, as Christ's disciples on this 4th of July weekend for God, for country, and for our fragile and beloved world. Imagine what Christ sends you out to do now.